God always has a way of kind of lining it up because I didn't see it two weeks ago. I didn't see it three weeks ago. I saw it earlier this week as I was preparing a message and really a full weeks of message because uh, I talked a little bit about it at first Wednesday and then just kept lining up, lining up, lining up about the voice of God. And it's, to me, it's one of the most powerful and yet it's the, it's the thing that is the driving force within our relationship with God. And it's the very reason why I believe that the, the church doesn't have the power and authority that it should, is that we're trying to do so much without the voice of God in our lives. I'm trying to make things right. I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to navigate this airplane called life through the storms and the hell that we walk through without listening to the traffic control voice that is telling me where to go and how to do it. It would be a great story if it wasn't true. Like, I would not want to be that guy in that airplane. I don't know if any of you have ever rode in what I call Honda Civic with wings. I have. It is not fun. It was beautiful, but it was not fun. The one time, the one time I did it, uh, we were flying from Florida to the Bahamas. I know, it's, somebody's got to, you know, go and sacrifice for Jesus. I, I called dibs on it. We, we were supposed to fly out the night before. And uh, the, it's kind of like this story. Pilot's like, I can't fly at night. I'm like, what? Like, do you fall asleep? Like, what's going on? And he said, no, it has to do with how small the plane is and this, that, and the other. I'm like, listen, if your plane's that small, I don't think I should be getting in it. Okay? I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that wants to jump out of a perfectly good plane. I'm not the guy that thinks that, you know, winding something up with a rubber band and shooting it across the uh, ocean is okay. So the next morning we wake up and, and we show up to this plane. And so I, when I was watching this, man, like PTSD, because I felt that anxiety again. We, we show up and the pilot's like, okay, he looks at me and my two other friends and he goes, he's looking at us like studying us. And I'm like, bro, he goes, okay, I'm going to need you next to me in the front seat, and then you two in the back, but you need to sit behind me, and you need to sit behind. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we got a sign seating in this small little thing? And then he's looking at all of our luggage, because we were going to be gone for like two and a half months. We were going to serve at a camp there, and he looks at our luggage, and he goes, I don't think I can take all that. I'm like, listen, you're not, this story is getting worse and worse. So what do you mean? He goes, uh, you know, I've got a weight limit. This fits in a car. Yours is a car with wings. Like, just get it up. So he gets all of our luggage in there, and we get to our assigned seating. And the whole time I'm thinking, there's no way we're getting up. We're flying this thing over the ocean. This is stupid. Like, these are dumb decisions in my life. <laughs> 18 years old. Not even 18. I was 17 at the time. We, we, we get going. And listen, it, sure, once you're up in the air and you stop forgetting that if it stops, the one engine, the one engine stops. <laughs> that you go, you know? And, and so you're up there and you're just like, pretty, don't die. Pretty, don't die. And we land and, and, and it's, it's beautiful and all. We had a great summer. And then we had to come back and I was on a little bit bigger plane, but we, we actually flew through a tropical storm and that was even worse. I literally kissed the ground when I got back to Florida. Literally like, never been happier to have my two feet on the ground. I understand Somewhat, like I wasn't flying the plane, but my control issues probably would have had me better off if I was. 
And, and so could you imagine, and, and I don't know about you, but I probably would have, maybe I wouldn't have, but I definitely would have thought of it. This guy over here gets me up in the airplane and then decides to tell me, we're going through the clouds and you're a pilot. That's where planes go. Well, no, you don't understand. I pass out in the clouds. Listen, somebody should not have given this guy a Cracker Jack pilot license. This is dumb. Hey, I can only fly on sunny days. What? I, I probably would have socked the dude in his face. Um, listen, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I know I'm not the only one thinking that. But what a great story. I mean, not for the guy that had to fly the plane for an hour and a half and land it, but for the rest of us to learn about the voice of God. A.W. Tozer uh, said this one time, the world is waiting to hear an authentic voice, a voice from God. Not an echo of what others are doing and saying, but an authentic voice. So many of us are content with being carbon copies and lookalikes because that's what gets you the likes and that's what gets you friend groups. And, and, and I, I remember back in high school, uh, you know, the bros, we had these guys, they were like the bros, and they all looked the same. They all looked the same. This will date me a little bit, okay, late 90s, okay? The, the in-sync, frosted tip, spiky hair, gradient hair from like whatever the natural color was to be, you know, bleach blonde, everybody, you know. And, and then they had the bro look. It was Abercrombie or Gap. It was the sweater vest. You know, you look like Doug the cartoon, I literally had an outfit that if you would have taken a picture of me and put me and Doug together, we would have looked exactly alike. I had cargo shorts, a white t-shirt, and a green sweater vest. Listen, I look like Doug. If you don't know who Doug is, you need to go look him up, okay? He's, he, he, he was a fun Nickelodeon cartoon. But I literally looked like Doug. It was like, oh, look. I could have I dressed up as, uh, as that for Halloween, but that was like an actual look that I went for, you know? And, and, and they, they were the bros, but it, um, it was Will, and I forget the other guy's name now, but they, I mean, you could hardly, other than the fact that maybe one was a little bit taller, you could not tell them apart because it was the look. It was, a, and, and, and so, but they all wanted to be carbon copies. They all had to look alike. They all played on the football team. They all had to look alike. They all, and, and what happens is we lose individuality, and when it comes to Christianity, we lose that ability to listen to God's voice because we're so worried about looking and living in line with everybody else. If I'm different, it's a bad thing, but that's not necessarily true, especially when it comes to our spiritual life. When I started writing this message, I, I, I posed some questions to myself. What does God sound like? How do I know if it's God speaking to me? And do I trust his voice. I think these are three very important questions that we need to individually be able to answer for ourselves. How do you know God's voice? How do you know what his voice sounds like? Because listen, it's going to sound different for each and every one of us. There may be similarities. Let me give you a really good example of, of the overlook of God's voice. It's probably going to sound like you. The question is trying to figure out, is that a godly thought or not? And we're going to talk about that this morning, about how to navigate through and how to hear the voice of God. Because listen, if you want to be a powerful person in your life with your spiritual walk, you have to first start with being able to hear the voice of God. And I think so many of us, we just get content with hearing our pastor's voice. 
or hearing our Bible study leader's voice or listening to a podcast and, and well, that will become the voice of reason for me instead of I personally listening for the voice of God in my life. Today, I wanna talk about Elijah and when he was in a spot when he needed to hear from God. Now, I wanna kind of give you a little bit of what happened before this set of scriptures that I'm gonna talk about. Elijah had just won one of the biggest battles that he would ever go through, okay? The queen was, was very anti-God. They worshiped uh, the God of Baal. They had 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah was the last living prophet for God. And he was very confident in who he was and what he was living for to the point to where he went and got the queen's uh, like right-hand person and said, you go tell the prophets of Baal to meet me here. We're gonna have a showdown. We're gonna fight. Let's go. And if you haven't ever read the story, I encourage you to go to 1 Kings 18 because Elijah, he had, he, he had some guts. That story is a really great story. He, he, what happens is he goes, listen, you, you guys, you're going you're gonna, to uh, create an altar to Baal and you're going you're gonna to go first. You're going to put an offering on there. We're going to see whose God responds to the offering. He says, y'all go first. I'll wait. And so the, the, the 450 prophets of Baal are sitting there and they're building fires and they start cutting themselves and they start doing weird chants and, and, and they, for hours, they're trying to get their God to respond to the point that Elijah is like kicking back and he's like, where's your God? Boy, your God must be on vacation. He, he literally, like the translation would be of this. He finally, like he eggs them on so much that he goes, is your God on the toilet? These are what, this is, these are the words that Elijah is saying. He's like, yo, is your God pooping? What's up? Where's your God? Like he's antagonizing him, all sorts of stuff. And he goes, okay, fine, I had enough of you. My turn. So he goes and he goes and he gets his offering and he puts it up on the altar to God. And then he says, watch this. This is a really cool magic trick. Hey, go get some water. And he says, put it all around the altar, pour it all on the altar, pour it all on the meat that I'm going to sacrifice, pour it. I mean, they just soaked it, drenched it, right? And then he starts praying to God, God, I want you to show off and I want you to show out for these people to show how good and how real you are. And it says that God came down and sent a, a fire and, and consumed everything on the altar. And then all of the 450 uh, prophets of Baal uh, were killed. You'd walk away from that battle a little, you know, chest out. Right? Like, man, look, look at that. Just like, whoo, look what God did. God used me, killed some people. We did some good things. But the thing is, is that that's not what happened. Elijah had his moment for, for, for that battle, but then he, he got real insecure and real scared. And that's where you pick up this story in 1 Kings 19. And I'm going to read eight verses to give you a glimpse of what happens. And so, so he runs. He, he books it, right? Because the right-hand man's going back to tell the queen. And, and the queen's like, oh, snap. You done did it. He, she's taking earrings off. She's like, let's go. Okay? She's ready to fight. And Elijah, after seeing God do what he did, he doesn't stand up to the queen. He runs. And he runs away. And so we get to 1 Kings 19, verse 8, and it says, so he, he runs away, God feeds him a little bit of food, he runs away some more, God feeds him a little bit more food, then we get to verse 8. So he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing 
hear Elijah. And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altar, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nisi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from the town of Abba, to replace you as my prophet. <laughs> I was so good until that one. How many times after a great victory in our life do, do we go from high to low? And there's a psychological aspect of that because the energy that we have to use to win victories and win battles in our life, it takes a lot out of you. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, psychologically, it, it, it does drain you. And what happens is the enemy will use those, those, those coming off of the high moments of your life to attack you and say, you're not good enough. Even though you know that's not true, even though you just walked through a battle that you won, even though you've just overcome something like addiction or, you, or, or you've gotten out of a, a relationship that's been uh, physically or mentally abusive, or maybe you, you have, have fought so hard to get a degree or you fought so hard to, to elevate your, your status at your workplace and, and honor God with, your, with the way you live your life, even though all of those may be true, when you're coming off of a victory and you are emotionally spent, if you are not spiritually ready, the enemy's gonna use that and go, but are you really as good as you think? Are you really as strong as God has made you? Good job, but you won't last the next one. Coming for you. And that's where Elijah was. He just watched God demolish his enemy. 450 of them and he was afraid of one person. One person. Could you imagine, like, you just watched God show off big time, and now you're like, oh, but that one, that one's gonna do me in. Like, I just watched him do away with 450 people of the enemy that have been trying to annihilate God's people and tried to say that God isn't real, and yet he was afraid, and he ran. And he runs to the mountain of God, and he has this encounter with God and the voice of God. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you real quick three thoughts about Elijah. They're really, when I say real, really quick, I mean really quick. And then I'm going to give you uh, the heart of the message, which is how to hear the voice of God in your life. So here's my, my three real quick thoughts about Elijah on this mountain. The first one is when God shows out, the enemy shows up. And you have to understand that. If you want God to do great things, you're also inviting the enemy to attack you. 
So don't become woe is me. Oh, I never knew this was going to happen. Oh, my God. I thought I was the head and not the tail. I thought I was more than a conqueror. Like we start quoting all these really great scriptures. You are because you trust God to take you through the battles. Well, if you don't trust God to take you through the battles and get the victories, then you can't be ready for the enemy. And the reality is this is that when you go through battles and when God brings you through victory, the enemy is going to do everything he can to bring you crashing down. That is his one job. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It did not come to, he didn't come to play patty cake. He didn't come to make you feel good about yourself. Now, he may use pride and he may use good moments in life. Oh, you're a really good person. You don't need God anymore. Because we, we do that a lot when, when things get good. It's funny how we, 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 don't, we don't turn away from God. We just kind of like put him on pause. But when God shows out, the enemy is going to show up. And so you got to be ready. When you're walking through the battle, you have to be doing, you have to be spiritually fit enough to know that even if I win, I'm not going to lose track. I'm not going to get caught off guard. And I'm going to stay focused. The, the other thing that we found in Elijah, and this is going to be key throughout the whole message, which is this. God asked a question twice. If God asked a que- the same question twice, ears better be perking up. What are you doing here, Elijah? You are not supposed to be here. Why are you here? And even though he went to a place where he shouldn't have been because he just got the battle, he just won the victory, he should have been pressing forward, he should have been listening to the voice of God where he was instead of retreating in life, God is gracious in our failures and mistakes to meet us in those moments and say, but why are you here? Do you hear my voice? It's like the pilot. You got a mountain. It's four minutes away. And if you don't listen to my voice, you're going to die. And God is saying, hey, look, even though you've retreated, even though you've allowed the enemy to gain a little ground, do you hear my voice? Why are you here, Elijah? What are you doing? And where are we going to go? And the third thing that I gained from Elijah is this, is that are we listening intently for the voice of God? I love the description. It says that, that God told him to, to go stand outside and wait for the voice. And it says that, that God's spirit, the, the presence of God, came running by the mountain. And there, and there was a mighty windstorm. And it was so bad that it actually called rocks to, to flow and, and fall down. But God was not in the windstorm. And it says that an earthquake hit. But God was not in the earthquake. And then a fire hit. But He wasn't in the fire. And then a still, small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? See, the reality is, is that we're looking for answers in all these big and flashy things. And God is saying, will you just, will you you tune in? Will you listen? Will you lean in? Because sometimes he's going to make it a little challenging. I wouldn't even say, let me, let me backtrack on that. God isn't going to make it challenging, but the world and the noise around us is going to make it challenging because God is not going to scream above the noise. He's going to want you to lean in. Do you hear the 
the still small voice of God in your life throughout the, all, all the noise, through all the, the pain and suffering, all the struggles that you walk through, the, the highs and the lows? Do you hear the voice of God in your life? And, and, and if not, let's talk about that. Because that's the core and the heart of this message is we hear Elijah and he understands how to hear God's voice even when he's made mistakes, even after great victories and, and, then, and then coming off of that, he's still in tune with God's voice. So how do we become that way? How do we learn from Elijah how to tune into the voice? And can I tell you this? If you learn to do this, I believe it can radically change your life. Spiritually, but spiritually, will radically change your mindset, your work ethic, the way you view friendships, the way you view your own personal space in life. Because when you're tuned in with God, a lot of things don't matter. And the things that you thought would matter, the noise of this world, you're gonna go, ah, that doesn't matter as much as the voice of God. So, so let's, over the next few minutes, let's look at these few things that we can do. These are practical things that we can do to tune into the voice of God. You ready? First one is this, you got to dedicate time. Oh, but Pastor Scott, you don't understand. Time is precious. I know time is precious. Time is precious for everybody. Yeah, man, I, I hit the ground running as soon as I wake up. Is it maybe because you hit snooze five times? Maybe if you would have like, I don't know, woke up maybe on snooze number two, you'd have had a little more time in the morning. Anybody, uh, that, that song, you know, rushing, rushing to life's no fun. The Alabama song, the old school, come on up. In the South, some of y'all should know that. Um, it's a, I feel like that describes so many of our life. We wake up and we're just go, 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 go. And we don't stop and we don't appreciate and we don't get to take in the life that God has given us because we're not dedicating time. We're allowing time to dedicate itself to us. And so we're running behind and we're always feeling like we're, we're trying to play catch up. Sometimes you need to say no to things so that you can reevaluate your time. There, there was a, uh, a book, and I forget who it was written by, but in essence, the, the book is The Value of Yes. Everything will be a yes. If you allow it to be, everything will be a yes. Okay? Mom, I need this. Will you take me to the store? Yes. I need to watch my show. I'm going to sit down and watch it. Yes. Everything can become a yes because, because we, will, we will tell ourselves that very few things should be no. I'm a bad person if I say no. But you know what saying yes to everything does? It complicates and devalues life. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to binge watch this show so that I can make time for things that matter most. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching some TV. It's absolutely healthy. Shutting your brain off and letting the, 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 the TV do its thing, eh, listen, there's healthiness. I, I, I'm okay with that, okay? It's when we know, like, oh, man, I, I, I could get some, uh, I've just watched 14 hours of the same show because Netflix allows me to. At least Disney Plus, they, they make it like regular TV, and if you want to watch Obi-Wan, you have to watch one a week. I think that's how they're still doing it. I don't know. I remember when they first started doing all those, it was like, you know, normal TV, where you had to wait till Friday for the next one to drop, and you're like, oh, but you're a streaming app. You're supposed to give it to me like right now. We have this thing, this insatiability to, to just want to take on everything at one time and not have proper boundaries and say no and yes to things. 
And we've got to dedicate. Jesus dedicated time to God the Father. Mark 1.35. Before daybreak. Now, this is where me and Jesus have issues. Okay? Because <laughs> before daybreak, I'm still practicing the art of sleep. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, listen, a lot of people will take that scripture and they will make it more than what it is. Well, if you're not praying in the morning, you're not like Jesus, you're not a Christian. (sighs) Easy there, theology kings. Okay, the reality is, what it's saying is, you have to dedicate time to spend time with the Father. You have to. Man, if you're not spending time with God, then how can you believe that God is going to do anything in your life? If you're not spending time with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, then how can you ever expect miracles to happen in your life? How can you ever expect for growth to happen in your life? Oh, God, I want to grow. And he's like, spend time with me. Oh, but God, you don't understand. It's like, no, you don't. You want these great things, and you want the, the way that I move, but you're not willing to spend time with me to get to know me. I've always loved this thought process. The miraculous happens in the mundane. We want the miraculous to happen. Oh, man, I want to be a church. When we pray, healings happen. Me too, by the way. But can I tell you that miracles don't happen if people are not spiritually bold and strong enough that when they pray on Monday and when nobody's watching and they pray on Wednesday when nobody's watching, that all of a sudden when we never pray, all of a sudden we're going to come to church and we're going to pray and God's just going to show up. And he's going, you have lost the practice of praying. You have lost the practice of me. Listen, this is not a genie. Like when you need me, you don't just rub the lamp and I come out and go, poof, what you wish? God, we need some healings. No. This is not how God operates. He operates in the fact that when we dedicate time to living within his boundaries and living in a relationship with him, then he starts to move in ways that we cannot fathom. It is going through the simple things. My wife has been uh, going to the gym now for like uh, a handful of months. And how many know that when you work out, you typically very rarely see the results yourself? You need other people to point it out to you. And, and, and I'm really good at that, for my wife anyways. Dang, girl. Hey. <laughs> Almost to the point where I could be really embarrassing, uh, but that's who I am. She wouldn't notice it because she's allowing one way to define it for her. She'd get on the scale, and the scale hasn't really moved. Scales are evil. Scales are evil, made by the devil. But when you look at the fact that muscle is replacing fat and things are getting a little thinner and things are getting a little toner, then it doesn't matter what the scale says because all the other measurements are different. And the problem is, is that we do that spiritually as well. Well, you know, I don't, I don't feel more spiritual. I don't care how you feel. Feelings are an overrated judge of who you are. What's the product of the fruit of your life? Have you noticed maybe you're a little more positive in the way you see things? Have you noticed that maybe, maybe the things that used to rub you the wrong way and would get you to cuss real simple don't anymore? Uh, or, or you don't feel like punching every person that looks at you wrong way? Um, that coworker that used to, you want to stick their hand in a shredder, you don't do it anymore? Uh, hopefully you didn't do it in the first place, but the thought. (laughs) 
See, it's, it's, it's the product of our life that is far better judged than how I feel. Because listen, there's one day, there's days where I can, I can feel really close to God. And then literally the next day, I feel like I'm David in the wilderness going, oh God, where are you? There's so many times where I get done with a message and I go home. And, and like today, man, church, can I tell you this? Church has been really good the last few months. It's, I, I love seeing people, man. We're, we're growing again. Like we're feeling like we're getting out of this, this COVID funk. And, and people are like, let's go to church. And I'm like, amen. And people are enjoying this. And I'm like, yes. Got a freedom fan back. We're, just, we're rolling. We're gonna, we're, I feel God's starting to do some great things. And you know what? I can go home that same Sunday and I can sit on the couch and the enemy will go, you suck. And I'll go, I know. And if I allow the feeling to overwhelm me, I will buy the lie of the feeling over the product of what God is doing. How do I beat that? I dedicate time to sit in his presence and listen to the truth of the Father speak over me through his word and through worship and through prayer time and through good friends. The voice of God is connected with the presence of God. The stronger God's presence is in my life, the clearer the voice is. There is a correlation to your time with God with you being able to hear the voice of God. We've got to dedicate. Listen, it is amazing how great you can get at something just by dedicating time to it. I'm not naturally talented. You don't have to be. I will take somebody who's not naturally talented, who's willing to spend time every day doing something, than somebody who is just naturally talented but could care less to dedicate their time to it. Because the person who is dedicated will eventually surpass them because they're working. I may not, I may not naturally be the best, but I'm gonna do everything inside of my natural capability to become the best I can. Dedicated time. You want to be the best version of you, the best version that God has given you, that has called you to? You got to dedicate time. The second thing is you got to repent and renew. Oh, here we go. Spiritual words. Listen, I can't get away from the word repent. I don't know if there's a a, a non-spiritual word for it. And sometimes you just have to go with it. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance is not, like, I think sometimes we go, well, if I'm repenting, that means I'm a horrible sinner. We're all horrible sinners. Can we all just, like, that's the foundation level. We're all on the same page. We're all sinners, saved by grace. Romans says that we have all miss the mark and need a savior. And there's times in our life where we get so busy that we forget that we're slowly creeping away from God. And guess what? The best thing to do, part of my natural prayer life is to go, God, I know there's something I did wrong today. Like, I know me. You know me. So we know I screwed up somewhere today. I may not be able to articulate it, but I know we did. So whatever it is, I'm sorry. Like, you know, it's like when, when, when the girlfriend or the wife comes in and they've got that look on their face like, all done, you done screwed it up. And you're like racking your brain like, what did I do? Is it anniversary, birthday? Like, oh, no. And you just start apologizing. I'm sorry. For what? <laughs> what you need me to apologize for? Why are you mad? That's what I'm sorry for. I don't know. Like, you just, you just grabbing because you're like, that look says I did something wrong. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes that's how I feel with God. Like, God, I know, like, to get closer, there's something. I'm, I'm, I've done messed up. I'm sorry. Like, so it's part of my natural prayer life to just go, hey, God, I know I'm human and I do stupid stuff. And I'm sorry for that. Sometimes we know we screw up. And we have to, can I tell you one of the hardest things to do is know when you made big, bad, 
decisions that were wrong and you have to articulate to God. Can I tell you, there's something about speaking it. God, I'm sorry for, and then you say it. God, I'm sorry for using your name in vain. God, I'm sorry for that thought. God, I'm sorry for doing whatever it is. And we repent, and repentance isn't just asking for forgiveness, but it's turning away from that and, re- and, and then renewing. Part of repentance is saying, God, change and, and, and train my mind to be different. Romans 12, 2, and I talk about it a lot. It says, you know, transform your mind. Well, listen, it's part of being intentional life of Christ is that I'm going to ask God to transform this up here so that I can live connected to him. We must shed the old for the new. God can't, listen, this is super important. God, not, God cannot fill what you have not emptied. God, fill my life. And he's like, with what room? You haven't gotten rid of the old stuff so that I can fill you with the new stuff. You haven't, you haven't gotten, you haven't allowed me to take out the, the nasty, the hurtful, the pain, the struggles. You haven't allowed me to, to wipe away the old life that has held you back so that I could fill you with my presence and my purpose in your life. And so we got to ask God to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us and change our motives, to forgive us and change our heart struggles and pray for a renewing of mind. I love what Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says. It says, throw off your old sinful nature. Can it, that is an action. It just doesn't accidentally happen. Well, I went to church and my sins were forgiven. No, no different than going and sitting in your garage makes you a car, okay? Just crazy. You sit in your garage and you're like, you're crazy. You're not a car. You're not a transformer. That's not how this works. Just showing up to church doesn't make you saved and forgiven. You have to, there's an action. you You have a role. You have to come to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the things that I've done wrong. And I ask God that you would change my life and he says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, who, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We've got to get rid of the things that have never been in- intended to be connected to God in our life and say, God, I want you. That's what renewing is. And it's not perfection. It's not that you're going to become the best version of you overnight. I think that's one of the biggest flaws of the church is that we expect this completely different person overnight. Well, you accepted Jesus. How come you're not like amazing and wanting to become a missionary in Africa? Because I still want to pop people's heads. And I'm still working through some anger issues. Oh, but you love Jesus. You're supposed to be perfect now. That's not how this works. We're human. We have flaws. And God's on a journey with us. And so he wants to take us on this journey. But our job, our goal, and our purpose is to walk with him and walk through this journey and say, God, I want you to renew my mind and it strengthened me spiritually. We got to repent and we got to renew and we got to dedicate. The third thing is, and this is probably one of the hardest things, we got to be still. Well, you had me till then, Pastor. I know. One of, but honestly, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Psalms, there, uh, there's one more that I think I... I tend to go to more often than this one, but Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I like the second part. I like to know that he's God, but man, that be still part, that's a challenge. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Being still also means stopping the distractions and quieting the noise of this world. 
Elijah had to learn to, to decipher between the noise of the, her, the earthquake and the windstorm and the fire and the voice of God. Our job is to be able to decipher through the noise of this world. All the things that are pressing in on you. You got to pay this bill. You got to go to this job. You got to have these standards. Oh man, what's wrong with your kids? Uh, you know, all these, you know, all, why aren't you, why are you like that sometimes? Why, you should be a better human being. Like we've got a lot of stresses that we can allow to weigh in on us. But can I tell you that when you are still in the presence of God, there's something that takes away that hurt, that pain, that straight, the, the, the anger, the, the, the things that are weighing you down. God's presence allows in those still moments. Be still. Oh, I, I can't. I'll be lazy. No, 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 no. Sometimes, listen, the art of rest is important. And even just saying that, some of you are like, ooh, rest, bad. I can't. Ooh, I got to be busy. I got to do something. I got to look like I'm productive in this world. God. It's pretty amazing. How many would agree with that? Like, he spoke the earth into existence. Bible says he did what on the seventh day? Rested. Some of y'all like, you like, I can't say that. That's weird. Do you think God really needed to rest? I'm going to get a little theological on you. Think God needed to rest? No. You know what he was doing there? He was giving you an example. God doesn't need rest. He is. Period. I am means that he, he is not only can be all being and all consuming and all moving, but he can also be all peaceful at the same time. He does not need rest. He was showing us that when you work hard and you put your hand to the plow and you do good job at, uh, when you're doing it, that it is good to rest. We tell ourselves, oh, I gotta be busy. I gotta, I gotta make more money. I gotta do this. I gotta be more productive. So that I miss out on the things that are more important, like maybe family time sometimes. But I, I got to go, 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 go. And then I miss the moments where God wants to speak to me. Be still. Quiet the noise and stop the distractions so that you can hear the voice of God and you can see God do things. Our biggest battles are won when we stop forcing it and allow God to be God. But I got to make it happen. I got to pull myself up from the bootstraps, Pastor Scott. You don't understand. I've got to be strong. No. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way. Paul says God, he, he had, um, in, in Corinthians, he has this issue, right? Some the, uh, theologians said he was going blind. I kind of tend to agree with that. Uh, and so Paul was, was, he had this struggle. Some of you may recognize some of the wording of the scripture. He says, uh, will you take this thorn from my side? This is Paul talking to God about this. God, I have this struggle in my life. Will you please take this thorn from my side? Poetically speaking, what he was saying was, God, there's an issue that is keeping me from doing everything that I want to do. Now, you may go, well, how does that turn into, turn into blindness? Well, you got to follow Paul's writings because in, in certain times in Paul's writings, he said, I write this with my own hand, meaning it's so, it was so important that I had to write this. Most of the time, he actually had somebody pin down what he was speaking. And, and a lot of theologians believe because he was starting to go blind, going back to when he was uh, stoned. Uh, not how you're thinking, but the other way. Um, and so, you know, he was hit in the head, and, and so it could have caused partial blindness. And so God looks at him, and he doesn't go, oh, Rodney, you're right. You have this, this thorn in your side, and I want to cater to your every loving need. God looks at him and says, suck it up, buttercup. In your weakness, I'm made strong. 
But God's a loving God. He won't, he won't, he won't allow things to come into my life that are going to make me struggle. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Because it's not about your strength. It's about his strength. And in your weakness, when you come to God and you're still and you say, God, speak to me. God, pour into my life. God, I need a battle won and I know I can't do it. When you stop and you be still before God, the victories start to flow in because you're trusting him to do the work through you. We have to give space for God to respond. In your prayer time, be quiet. What do you mean? I went down my laundry list. I had my prayers for my family, my friends, my work, this and that. And I, I had to leave a little prayer for myself. And, and then I said, amen. Okay, between that, don't talk. And I would almost say it this way. Pray your prayer to say, God, speak to me. God, show me how, you know, if I'm praying for something that, that I need an answer, God, whether it's right now or through the course of this week or the, this next month, God, I'm going to give space and I'm going to keep praying for it until you give me an answer. Leave space for God to respond. I wrote this and I even put it up here because I felt like it was so important. In a microwave world, let's learn to be slow cookers. God, I need answers now. I need it now. I need it now. I need it now. I need it now. Open, open, open. Come on, God. God's going, you need to chill out. Stop taking that pre-workout. You need to just chill. Some of y'all know what I mean. That pre-workout is like legal crack, okay? It is all wrong. When I was working patrol, uh, one of the officers, he has like a bottle of um, lit AF there. And, and, you know, he would come in and he'd see, hey, you want to take a scoop with me? No, I'm not a crack fiend, bro. You need to chill out with that. Like, and, and he would go like, he'd put it in like a cup of water this big with a big old scoop. I'm like, I mean, you could literally see his thoughts through his veins. Like, like you need to chill. Running around your car when he's doing a traffic stop. It's ridiculous. Like, you just, just calm down. Slow down. Hey, let me give you the permission. It's okay to slow down. It's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay for it not to happen right when you want it to. Trust God. Go back to the song. I don't have to know how you're going to make a way. I just need to know that you are. And if I stick to the script and I just I lean into that and I stay there, then I know that if you're going to make a way, then I'm just going to stay right here and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you slow cook my spiritual life. I don't need to be a microwave. The next thing is this. Ask, seek, knock. This is what the scripture says. So many times when we pray, we just ask one time, God, I need this. Cool, amen. Never ask God again. <laughs> But God, I asked you one time, and he's like, I like, kind of, I like you talking to me. You, let me. Maybe you've never heard this. God enjoys talking with you, even though he knows your thoughts. Like, even if you say something like, God, I like the color blue. He's like, I know, I made you that way. But I still like to hear you tell me. When you're having a bad day, you tell God, God, oh, today was horrible. He goes, I know. I've been watching it. <laughs> it's like a really bad movie. But he likes to hear you talk about it. Because he wants to have conversation with you. 
He wants you to, to, to be able to sit down and just like treat him like a God is your friend. Matter of fact, the Bible says that. He says that he no longer treats you as a slave, but he sees you as a friend. Well, do you just like ghost your friend and think you have a good relationship? No. Well, I only come to you when I have, bad, when I have issues. Mason, it's another bad day. I need to just unload my bad thoughts on you. My bad days. Like, did you, it's, I'm not going to ask you how your day was. I'm not going to ask you for your advice. I'm not even going to talk to you when the day's good. I'm just going to talk to you when my life's bad. Mason would not want to be your friend. Mason would be like, you need to take that drama somewhere else. Thank you. <laughs> see, see, the key word, though, is I would try. Because eventually, that would fail. He'd be like, dude, you, you suck. Like, you are, you are bringing my vibe down. And we all have friends like that. They all, they just, all they want to do is bring their negativity to the table. They don't want to hear any advice. Oh, you don't understand it, though. Shut up. Yes, I do. Try not to be like me. The problem is, is that we don't go to God and we don't have conversation. We don't. We think, oh, I prayed for it once. It's okay. The Bible teaches us. Jesus actually teaches us. Ask, seek, knock. And the actual wording of that scripture, it would be to say this. Ask, keep asking. Knock, keep knocking. Be that annoying neighbor. When we're trying to get somebody to the door as uh, when we're like serving warrants and stuff like, we are annoying. We're worse than a telemarketer. We'll sit there. I mean, literally to my hands numb, I'll just sit there and bang on the door. You, you think I'm kidding. Like, we'll sit there for five minutes, just knock on your door. Because either you're not home or you're going to get so fed up with us that you're going to answer the door and be like, just take me. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm the one with the warrant, but here you go. Like, God, you're annoying. I know. That's how God wants our life with him to be. God, I'm here again. But the difference is that he doesn't come out and go, oh, you're so annoying. He goes, my child. I'm so glad you're back to talk. I'm so glad you're, you're here to share your day with me. Let me pour into you, and then let's talk about your life. Jesus also teaches us that we have not because we ask not. Now, some of you are going to go like, God, I don't have an F-350. <laughs> Platinum edition. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> God's not into that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that he won't bless you. Like, I believe, I believe a God that likes to bless us. But that's not how this works. The caveat in asking, seeking, knocking is that we ask for his will and his motives. God, your will be done. One of the greatest things that I ever learned was the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, what does it say? Not my will, but I'm not asking for the things that can fade away in life. I'm asking for heaven to come down in my life and for things to look like you want it in my life. And so, God, if it's your will that I'm successful, great. But, God, if it's your will that I'm poor and happy and humble and I love people, then, God, whatever you would have for me, I'm in. It's not that God is far, but it's because we're not drawing close to him. Let me give you this, this thought process. Anybody ever heard, man, God's so far away. God doesn't move. We do. So if you feel like God is distant from you, the best thing to do is to say, okay, God, where have I slipped? And most of the time, you're going to see that your prayer life has um, taken a dive. Your, your, your devotion time has taken a dive. Uh, and, and your relationships with good Christian people has, has stopped. Those are the three main things. When you start to feel distant from God, you're going to see one of those three or all of those three are, have started to kind of push back in your life. 
real simple quick fixes. Make prayer a priority again, jump back into some devotions, and call up a good friend and say, hey, let's chat. And watch what God does in your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all, we, we all, you know, this is one of those scriptures that we love to go to. I'm going to read 11 through 13. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Everybody's like, yeah, here it comes, here it comes. Uh, the, they are plans for good, yes, amen, and not for disaster. Come on, Jesus. It, like we're at the craps table or something. To give you a future and a hope. And we like the period right there. Woo! Preach, preacher. Jesus. Now go to verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Oh, go to verse 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. See, the caveat to God's purpose, to God's hope, to God's peace, to God's plan in your life is that you need to be spending time with him in prayer and you need to be wholeheartedly looking for him. If you want the promises of God, they're almost always attached to an if, right? If my people pray, then I will heal their land. God, why can't you just heal our land and then we'll come running to you? Because he knows better. We're idiots. When we get good stuff, we just run away with it. it listen, if I said, if I give you a million dollars, will you give 250000 to charity? Without having it, oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll, even, I'll even throw in an extra 10000 just for fun. Then you get that million and you're like, peace, I gotta go buy a house. And a car. Or three. And some clothes. It's easy to say whatever you want when you don't have it. Oh, God, if you called me to Africa, I'd go. Until he calls you to Africa, and then you're like, ooh, did I say Africa? I'm at the Bahamas. I'll go. Someplace tropical. See, see the problem, it's real easy to make statements when you know you don't have to back them up. But the moment that we trust God and we say, God, I want your peace. I want your perfection. I want your plan in my life. I know that they're good. I know that what you have for me is good. And he says, but if you will spend time with me, you'll see it. The last thing. So to recap before we get to that, dedicate time to God. Repent and renew. Be still. We got to be willing to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking and trusting God. And the last one is this. We got to trust the voice of God. We've got to trust the voice of God. Stephen Furtick, the pastor at Elevation Church, says this. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. (laughs) That will preach. The voice you believe will be what your future experience. What what does that mean? It means that if you buy into the lies, guess what? You're going to see the lies in your life. And I was told I was never good enough guess what? You'll make yourself believe that you're not good enough. I forget where, uh, man, I wish I could remember where I heard this, but I don't remember if it was in a song or uh, at a podcast that I was listening to, but um, one of the hip-hop artists that I, was, that I follow, Christian hip-hop artist, he said, he goes, I was told in the fourth grade that I could never be president, and I believed it. I mean, that should just rip your heart out. Somebody would tell a kid, you're not educated enough. You're not smart enough. You're not what this country needs. You could never be president. The course of your life starts to turn to say, well, if I'm not president, then what will I be? When we buy the lies and we trust the voice of this world, we will follow that to our future. 
the caveat, the, 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 the return of that is if we listen to the voice of God, we will follow the voice of God to our future. You've got to trust God's voice. You've got to start leaning into what he is speaking to you. Trust comes with time and relationship. If I just walked up to somebody on the street, there's some people here that I don't know. I, I, I met their names, uh, met them and, and, and found out their names when they walked in this morning, right? Okay, if I, if I went up to them and said, trust me, they'd look at me like, you're crazy. I don't know you. I go to somebody who's, the Jones family has been with us pretty much since, since before day one. I go up to Eric and I say, trust me, <laughs> We both, get, we both might get like a devilish grin on our face like, hmm, this could be fun, but he's going to trust me. Trust comes with time. You want a blind date? Let's get married. It'll be fun. Trust me. Don't, don't, don't. Run. Swipe left. <laughs> or right. Whatever the, one, whatever the one that gets them out of there, swipe that way. Okay? Why? Because trust comes with time and relationship. Isn't it funny that we're willing to trust our life to the voices that don't care, are not pouring into us, don't have our future plans at hand, and then when it comes to God because we haven't spent time with him, we're like, but God, are you sure? While the rest of the world is going, do this. Okay. Which one has your best interest at heart? John 10, 27, I spoke this on, on uh, Wednesday. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. When you know, when you spend time with your shepherd, you will start to hear his voice. You will know, you'll know when that voice comes into your head and you go, ah, that's God. You'll know when somebody speaks life into you and you go, that was a God word. You'll know when somebody speaks death over you, even if it sounds good and you go, mm -mm, that ain't for me. Can I tell you something? Nobody should ever t give you revelation that has not already been started to be confirmed in your life. One of the biggest lies of prophecy in the church is that, that God's going to use other people to, give, to reveal a truth that you don't know. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Most of the time, prophecy is a confirmation of what God has already started to stir in you. One of my favorite friends and, and really the, the, my pastor in my life, Pastor Michael, who's been here a couple of times, he is one that, that instilled that into me. Don't let anybody ever tell you, well, the, Lord of the, the, the voice of the Lord has told me that you're going to be, and then tell you something that God's never revealed to you yourself. I had a pastor tell me while I was his youth pastor, not the last place that I went to, but the very first place that I started full time. He, he sat me, we were in his office, we were talking, he goes, Scott, you're going to be an evangelist and travel around the world. No, I'm not. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't mind speaking at camps. I've done that quite a bit. Speaking at conferences, I've done that a few times. My livelihood, in and out of places, no. I'm a roots person. I want to build roots and I want to build community and I want to see God do something in the life of people day in and day out. That's who I am. And man, I could have listened to him and go, oh, that sounds great. That sounds fantastic. I could live a life that's, I'm going to travel all over the place and all over the world and God's going to use me. And you know what was inside of me? No. I almost want to be like Jesus to him. Get behind me, Satan. You don't, you obviously don't know me. And so many times we hear people speak to us, but it wasn't, it's not a confirming word. So you'll know the voice when it speaks to you. God will not lead you to harm. He may leave you to unsurety, <laughs> uncomfortability. He may challenge you, but he will not harm you. 
I'm going to end with this scripture. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Your own thoughts can mess your world up. Trust with everything you have in God. Even when it's scary. Even when it's unsure. I would rather take God and unsurety than knowing but being far from God's plan. But you don't understand this job pays the bills. But what if God is saying, hey, I've got something for you if you'll take the step. Trust me with your life. But God, I, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. That's the best place to be. It's the scariest place to be, but it's the best place to be. There was one more thing that I wanted to say, and I don't have my message memorized. Let me go back to that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now let's make it personal. What are you doing here? Fill in your name. If God was here sitting with you right now, what are you doing here? Are you running from something? Are, are you afraid? Are you living in fear? Are you struggling? Have you been just compressing pain over pain over pain and just hoping that it eventually just goes away? Like what are we what are you doing here? Are you walking through hell? You know it's okay to tell God that. Like literally, God, I'm walking through hell. <gasps> You used a cuss word? No. <laughs> You're literally telling, I'm walking through some of the worst things in my life. God's okay with that. He wants you to be real. God, I'm so mad at you right now because you're allowing me to walk through this. You know he's okay with that? I have ripped God up one wall and down the other. You know what the difference is? I come back to the place where I go, okay, God, what do you got to tell me? I got it off my chest. Now speak to me. You can't talk to God that way. Yes, you can. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't be real with him. Matter of fact, everything about the Bible screens just the opposite. And when we listen to the voice of God and he says, what are you doing here? What does Elijah say? God, I've been serving you. I've been loving you. I've been doing everything I can for you. But yet here I am and my life is being threatened. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't go, oh, Elijah, you poor baby. Let's just cuddle it out. You know what he says? Get up. I've got more for you to do. I've got a purpose for you. Hey, your workplace, there's people that need to know about Jesus. Hey, you know that friend that, that seems to always be walking through it, that you always, you're like this close to like wanting to invite the church and tell them about Jesus? I want you to go tell them. Stop being scared. That's what he tells Elijah. Hey, listen, I want you to go to this town and I want you to anoint this dude as king. And then I want you to go to this town and I want you to anoint this dude as king. And then I want you to go and find Elijah and he's going to replace you. That's what the story said. You know what Elijah does? Just that. And he starts to pour into the person, Elijah, that's going to replace him eventually as the prophet of God. What are you doing here? 
I want to see people that don't just come to church but make a difference out there at their workplace and their friend groups, at their schools, teenagers. Don't wait to get out of school to make a difference for Jesus. You, will, you want to regret something in your life? Become a Christian, your high school career. Your whole high school career, you don't do anything for Jesus. And then you're going to look back and you're going to go, I wish I would have. That doesn't mean you have to be a freak and nobody like you. It does mean that you have to live out your standards. When you start to hear the voice of God, you... You start to find yours. It's amazing. You want to be the best version of you? Listen for the voice of God. I promise you, if you do those few five things, start to dedicate time, repent, renew, be still, ask, seek, knock, and then trust God's voice in your life, you're going to see a change in your life. Will you pray with me? I know I went extra long this morning. It's actually one of the longest services we've had in a while but I believe God wanted to speak some things to you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I have allowed the world's voice to be more powerful than God's voice, and today I want that to change. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. Man, the world's been kicking your tail, and you've been believing it. The voice of God is here to say, you don't have to buy the lie. You don't have to listen to all the things that the world is telling you. If you'll just trust me, stop trying to do this on your own. You don't have to carry the weight, but you got to spend some time with me. You can't have my peace without my presence. God wants to start to do that, but it's not, listen, there's no magical prayer that I can pray for that. It's a prayer of beginnings, new beginnings for you. God, I'm going to commit to doing these things to hear your voice. God, I pray that over our people this morning. God, we're not looking for a quick fix and we're not looking for a magic pill and we're not looking for a prayer that's just going to swoosh over us and and all of a sudden we became perfect. God, no, we know that we play a part. And if we want to hear your voice and we got to put in the work and we've got to stay close to you and we've got to stop believing the lies of the enemy. I speak against the death of this world that would tell us that we can't do what you've called us to do. To be great parents, to be great workers, to be great friends, to live with a positive, heartfelt mindset, to speak joy and life into the world around us. Today, God, we're saying that today we are starting fresh. No matter what has brought us to this point, we are trusting in you. And so, God, we ask that you speak to us every day. God, we're going to dedicate some time to you. God, we're going to repent and ask for renewed minds every single day. God, we're sorry, and God will continue to transform our minds to look like yours. God, we're going to sit, and whether it's five minutes or ten minutes or fifteen minutes, God, we're going to sit and be still, and we're going to ask for you to speak to us through your word and through prayer, through worship and friends. God, we're going to keep asking. If we got something on our heart, we're going to keep asking. We're going to ask you to answer. We're going to hold you to it because, God, you are a God that cares and wants to answer, and you want us to press in. God, help us to trust when we hear your voice that we'll have the faith to walk it out like Elijah. Even though we walk through a bad time, we will have the faith to hear your voice and to move with you. Jesus, have your way. I believe that you want to touch people's lives this morning. God, I pray for healing. God, I believe there's people in here that just need a spiritual healing in their life. 
they need you to wash out the mindset and the sin and the, and the, and the, the hurt and the pain in their life. And, and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would just flood their life. Give them a peace that passes all understanding. That's what your word says. That God, that we wake up with an unknowing joy. They don't know where it came from. They just know that it's there and, and, and it's you, God. That they can get through their day and not just be weighed down and weighed heavy. I pray for your healing over relationships and friend groups and marriages. God, that you are the healer and that we would lead in and trust you. God, give us opportunity to speak your truth to somebody this week and make a difference for your kingdom. We love you. We praise you. And we speak this out. All of God's people said, amen. 